Hi, Gaggle listeners. Producer Kaylee Monahan here, just popping in really quick. Today's Gaggle episode was recorded on Zoom, so the audio quality is a little bit different than usual. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Now, here's the episode. Tucson could have a new mayor. Arizona's second largest city is gearing up to elect a mayor and city council members on November 7th. Incumbent Mayor Regina Romero, a Democrat, is wrapping up her four-year term in office. She has three opponents, Republican Janet Wittenbreaker, Ed Ackerley, an independent, and Arthur Kirshen, a libertarian. Tucson has a reputation as a Democratic stronghold in Arizona, where Democratic voters outnumber Republicans two to one. So the question is, will this Democratic bastion see any changes in leadership, or will Tucson remain firmly blue? Welcome to The Gaggle, a politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Each week, we dissect our state's political news to help you understand what your lawmakers are up to. I'm Ron Hansen. I cover national politics for the Republic. And I'm Mary Jo Pitzel. I cover state legislature and state policy. Today, we're joined by a Zoom by Kurt Prendergast, co-founder of the Tucson Agenda. Kurt, welcome to the gaggle. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, let's start off with uh, the mayor's race, Mayor Regina Romero. 2019 election made history when she became the first woman and the first Latina to be mayor of Tucson. What's her signature achievement in office? So as I follow the uh, what the city council has been doing, what strikes me the most is actually like organizational, that she has selected a lot of like the priorities for the city, such as dealing with homelessness, dealing with climate change, uh, and has kind of set a trajectory for the city, organized the city departments to move in the same direction. I think that's going to have the longest impact. What are the issues that are getting attention from any of the candidates and the public in Tucson as the voters go to the polls? Oh, well, one thing we have is kind of the traditional stuff about transportation and roads. And we have a big chunk of uh, $750 million over the next 10 years that's going to be spent on roads. So there's a lot of talk about where that's going to be spent, what the priority is going to be. In the area around Tucson, they want it to be like more highways, more get from A to B, whereas more in the interior of Tucson, they want more like infill, promote like bicycles, people being able to get to work uh, without having to go on a busy street. Another one that's come out, and this is national, is uh, homelessness. We have a lot of a lot more homeless people right now than we did five years ago. And part of that is the pandemic. Part of it is the housing shortage. There's a lot to it. Fentanyl as well, you know, substance abuse. So that's come up and definitely from the Republican candidates, that's kind of a, a way to, to hammer away at Romero's administration. We also have poverty. You know, we have about 20% poverty in Tucson. And so that's that's a, a perennial issue that they're dealing with right now as well. Well, as someone who visits Tucson frequently, the road situation is a little frustrating. You mentioned that that is an issue in this race. It sounds like the Romero administration has leaned more towards a reliance on alternative modes of transportation as opposed to roads. Is is any of that going to change with this new election? That's interesting. Because uh, the way that the dynamics played out right now is we have, uh, I think it's nine, I could be wrong, on the Regional Transportation Authority Board. 
And so you have all these towns. There is a, a political fight that's been raging for the last couple of years over how to spend all this money. And if Romero is elected, you can expect that fight will continue because she has her principles. She has the idea that she wants to foster a lot of this kind of the infill, the you know bicycle, that type of thing. If Windbreaker were to win, I'm not sure exactly what she would do, but there's a very good chance that she could uh, align herself more with the outer towns. She wants to have gas-powered vehicles. She doesn't want the 15-minute city, anything like that. So I would expect that she would be more aligned with the outer towns than with what Romero has envisioned for Tucson. Romero's the Democrat in a four-way race in a city that leans pretty well to the left. You've touched on it a bit, but talk about the dynamics for the other candidates in this race, given the political makeup of the city. Yeah. So not only is Romero a Democrat, but she's also part of like kind of the, the Democratic establishment in Tucson. She's been around for a while. So she was on the city council for, I think, three terms, and then she's just wrapping up her, her first term as mayor. So she's very well entrenched, and she has that base. She has that organization, the ground game, all of that. So she's raised a whole lot more money than anybody else. Janet Wittenbreaker is the Republican candidate. Arthur Kirshen is the Libertarian. And then Edder Ackerley is the Independent. Ackerley has a little bit of name recognition because he ran in 2019. But for uh, Wittenbreaker and Kirshen, they really have to just like get the word out that they exist and are running. And they have not raised a lot of money at all. So they don't really have like a big political operation they can lean on. So it really is like Ackerley, Wittenbreaker, and Kirshen are coming against a juggernaut uh, of the Romero administration. You've characterized it as a juggernaut. How has the campaign gone for Romero otherwise? Does anything stand out or is this really the lack of standing for the opponents? I think that the lack of standing for the opponents is a huge deal, but also there hasn't really been any scandals. You know, there hasn't been any huge policy screw ups. It's been a, a fairly quiet, steady campaign season. I feel like we all are kind of marching towards the inevitable that Romero very, very likely is going to win, as are the other uh, Democratic council candidates. So it's just been quiet and there isn't anything like for Romero's opponents to point to. They can point to, say, like the, the values that Romero has about climate change and issues like that. But there isn't anything very specific to beat her over the head. with. One thing I've heard you talk about again and again is climate change or transportation. One of the things that we hear a lot, especially in Phoenix or even in larger cities outside Arizona, is the the situation with border control, immigration policy, crime in cities. How much is that playing in Tucson, a city that is much closer to the border than Phoenix and, and other cities? So the central thing with regard to the border in, in the city of Tucson, it's asylum seekers after they cross the border, after the process by the Border Patrol. They are sent to like welcome centers, uh, shelters in Tucson. And so that costs about $1.8 million a month. The federal government puts the bill for that. And the people are here for a day or two, and then they're on their way to Chicago or Carolina, wherever they're headed. So over the course of the last like five or six years, the city and, the, and Pima County working together with Catholic Community Services, I've built a kind of streamlined process to make this happen. So we're not having people dropped off at bus stops, and it creates this hazard this you know what, what are we going to do with so in, it is more uh political right so if you are like i want more border security or i want more freedom for, for crossing the border those are your values but in terms of what you see on the day-to-day -day in tucson there isn't really anything to drive you one way or the other it honestly feels like we could be in des moines you know it's just you don't see it talk a little bit about what romero's ambitions are beyond City Hall. 
I've heard her described as a Grijalvista because she's a supporter of Congressman Raul Grijalva. Is she looking at a congressional seat down the road? I would not be surprised if she had her eyes on a higher office, but I, I couldn't say that for sure either way. And I don't think that she said anything publicly of what she intends to do. Certainly the path is laid there for her if she so choose. I mean, she has one election after election at this level, and she's pretty popular, and she does have the backing of the Hall of the Machine, so she could move forward. Kurt, there are some other municipal elections. What should people know about the city council races there this year? So it's kind of similar to the mayoral race, is the Democratic candidates have, they have the ground game, they have the institutional support, they have the solid base. Their values are in line with the majority of Tucson. I expect for them to win. So what we have right now is we have the Democrat Nikki Lee. She's a first-term councilwoman. Uh, and then we have Paul Cunningham, who has been in office since 2010. And then we have Lane Santa Cruz. She's also a first-term, and she's run for re-election, and she is aligned very closely with Mayor Romero. So she also has the institutional backing. And if you look at the campaign finance reports and all of that, the these three, the Democratic candidates, have just completely outraised their opponents. They just have so much more support. And so uh, Nikki Lee is running against Ross Kaplowich, and he has not really raised any money. Leigh Santa Cruz is running against Victoria Lem, who is kind of interesting. The, the Republican candidates, I would say a good thing about it is they are more or less, they are hewing to the traditional Republican values. They're all about uh, law enforcement and you know things of that nature. We haven't seen too much crazy. We did have in one race at the candidate forum, Ernie Shack is a Republican running against Cunningham, and he and Libertarian candidate kind of went off the rails and started talking about how the United Nations just wanted to take over our lives and control our voices and our emotions. So I don't expect that to resonate much with the Tucson voter. But these uh, incumbents, although it sounds like it's pretty stacked in their favor, they do have opponents. And I think you've noted before that that's a step forward for Republicans. It is. The Republican Party doesn't always field candidates for every office. And so that was kind of the step forward. The local Republican Party here is they actually have an opponent. They have someone to run against. And I think that's healthy. I think that you need to have some type of debate. It's kind of unfortunate that the Republican bench, so to speak, is not very deep. None of these candidates have like been on school boards or done any of like the lower level like political activity. So they just kind of like decided they wanted to run. And that's, you know, that's great. Uh, so we have somebody to... Uh, the contrarian view at the Democratic machine, and that is good for our local democracy. I hope that in the next elections, we have more Republican candidates. I think we have a couple who are on local school boards, maybe, who could, if they felt like it, they could run for city council. But the local Republican Party doesn't really have any money. I, I don't get the sense that they have like an infrastructure built to like find candidates, cultivate talent, move them up through the ranks. These people, are just it just doesn't seem very organized. Well, that sort of leads into if we zoom out for a bit and look more broadly at the political trends in the Tucson area. For years, this area has been pretty supportive of Democratic candidates. And off-year elections sometimes are a bellwether for what might happen in the following year. Does this election hold any portent for 2024, or is it likely to continue the whole Baja Arizona trend favoring Democrats? That's interesting. I, got, I have two things on that. One is if these elections are much closer than I anticipate them to be, then you can make some observations about the future, about what's going to happen. 
Another thing is we have Prop 413, which is a proposition to raise the uh, the salaries of the mayor and city council members by a lot. What it would do is tie them to the Pima County supervisor's salaries. So right now, a city council member makes 24000 the mayor makes 42000 They would jump over the course of two years because all supervisors are getting a raise in 2025 to something like 96000 and then 121000 for mayor. There's a huge, huge uh, increase. But what's interesting about it is the opposition campaign to Prop 413. Uh, it's similar to the opposition campaign to Prop 412, which is a totally different thing earlier in this year. That had to do with the franchise agreement with Tucson Electric Power and some other things. But you can see the beginnings of an organized effort to launch opposition campaigns about specific issues. And so the same people who did the anti-Prop 412 are doing the anti-Prop 413. And so it's kind of like a guerrilla, you know, like, we're just going to do it. They've got a little bit of money and we're going to put up signs everywhere and all that. And that's led by the finance reports are showing that it's from the LD17 Republicans, right? So that's State Senator Justine Watsack's area. So I'm kind of curious to see about how that influence is going to permeate into Tucson. And if it does make inroads, what does that mean for 2024 when we have all these elections? There's so much going on. Will they have dug a channel into the, like, the, the political landscape? that they can exploit in 2024. What are the prospects for the salary increase initiative? These things never pass, right? <laughs> and it's, it's interesting. Uh, this is actually, to me, is one of the most interesting parts of this election season. Uh, just the question of like, how much should a mayor and city council members be paid? You know, the city has half a million people or so. What they get paid right now is an absolute pittance. Uh, the argument that's for that is, if you pay people so little, then you're only going to get people who are independently wealthy. You're not going to get like working class people who are like, all right, cool. I could do this as my job. And so over the years, uh, since the last time they raised the salary was 1999. And so in our city charter, they have to have this vote every two years. And every two years, there's a commission. And it's, it's a commission put together to try to answer this question. And they are trying all these different things. It'll be $36,000 one year, $55,000 the next year. They're just trying to find like what is this, the, the, you know, the sweet spot, the Goldilocks salary? And this one, I think what they're trying to do is say, we don't want to spend time doing this every two years. Let's just tie it to the Pima County supervisors, similar budget, similar population, the jurisdiction, and just be done with it and move on. I suspect that a lot of the voters are going to say that is way too much money. But if you look at the past, there is no right amount of money. They tried everything. So I'm just very interested to see how voters uh, react to this. Well, Kurt, thank you for taking the time to break all this down for us and keeping us abreast of developments in the mayor's race, the municipal races, and these ballot measures. If people want to follow your work, where can they find you online and on social media? Uh, so we are the Tucson Agenda. We are a Substack newsletter that focuses on politics and government in Tucson and Pima County in Southern Arizona. We are tucsonagenda.substack.com. And uh, mine is uh, on Twitter. I am at tucsonagenda1. And you can also follow my colleague, Caitlin Schmidt. She is on Twitter at Caitlin C. Schmidt. Very good. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for this week, Gaggle listeners. Have questions about today's episode or topics you'd like us to cover on the show? Send us a message at 602-444-0804 
or a voice memo to the gaggle at arizonarepublic.com. That's all one word, all spelled out. This episode was edited and produced by Kaylee Monahan. Script writing and research by myself, Mary Jo Pitzel, and Kaylee Monahan. News direction from Kathy Tulamello. Music comes from Universal Production Music. Never miss an episode of The Gaggle by subscribing to us wherever you listen. If you learned something new today, be sure to share this episode with a friend. You can leave us a review and rate us five stars. You can follow The Gaggle on social media at AZC Podcasts. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. And I'm at Mary J. Pitzel, P-I-T-Z-L. The Gaggle is an Arizona Republic and AZ Central production. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you in the next week.